Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer. Uh, We come to you less than 24 hours after uh, Memphis suffers what can only be described as a heartbreaking 67-64 loss at Houston. Um, One of those just... Uh, daggers of an endings Uh, you get you know Boogie Ellis hits a three-pointer to tie the game with 1.7 seconds left and then Houston as Lester Quinone has described it hits a miracle shot Um, uh, Tremont Mark from uh, just inside half court banks it in at the buzzer um, and Memphis misses out on its uh best chance for a signature win. Um, And if you listen to the bracketologist misses out now on, on its chance to get an at large bid into the NCAA tournament. Um, Basically the, the, the consensus seems to be that now the Tigers will need to win the AAC tournament uh, this week. Um, And I guess the uh, bright side of all of this is, and and Jason, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, but I'll be honest though they lost the game against Houston, I left feeling more confident and not to say it's a likely thing that happens, but feeling more confident that they can go into Fort Worth and win three games and get the automatic berth, but from the AC because they gave Houston everything they could handle on the road. And um, it, it just, you know, if they can, if they can play similarly to that, and it's not like they played perfect against Houston. Um, you know, they can do it. They can win three games in three days and claim this auto berth. But, um, you know, and so we'll see. So Friday, just to set the schedule for you, Friday at 9 p.m. Central Time in Fort Worth, Memphis will play the winner of Thursday's UCF-ECU game. Um, and it appears... Uh, they are headed for on a collision course for a rematch with Houston Saturday in the AAC semifinals. If um, both Houston and Memphis can avoid getting upset in the quarterfinals. Um, but your thoughts, I guess, Jason, coming out of what we'll, we'll, we'll dissect the Houston game here in a second, but I just want your thoughts as we head into this, into uh, tournament week, if you will, championship week, uh, in the AAC, your thoughts on Memphis um, coming out of this Houston game and and its chances of you know pulling this off, kind of going on a run here to 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 make the NCAA tournament. Well, I was I was encouraged um, not only by the way 
the game played out, not only by the way Memphis battled uh, under just sort of circumstances where the odds were stacked against them in a lot of ways. I mean, Penny laid it out in the post game, you know, is on the road. Um, it was, you know, all the stuff with the scheduling that, that it was supposed to be Memphis's home game. Then it wasn't, it was supposed to have played twice in the, or could have played twice in the last week. and didn't, um, obviously Houston is one of the top 10 best teams in the country this season. And, 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 and then no Alex Lomax. So I was encouraged by the way they played, um, to only lose, to, to lose by three points on a, on a as Lester Quinones put it up, a miracle shot. Uh, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Um, that's, that's not bad. Uh, so. Well, to your point, uh, during Houston's current 25 game home winning streak, no one has gotten closer to beating them at the Fertitta center than Memphis did on Sunday. Do you have what the next closest? Yeah. UConn lost by four there last year. Um, okay. but, but, um, that game, I went back and looked at the play-by-play. It was not – it was actually – like, I think UConn hit, like, a late bucket to make – it wasn't, you know, to make it four. It wasn't, like, a totally down-to-the-wire game like this one. Um, and a little bit of garbage – a little bit of garbage time. Yeah, it wasn't like – it was a close game, but it was, you know, but but this – it didn't come down to a last possession or something like that. And so um, – Well, and you yeah. know what? I mean, like, to that, to that end, I mean – Yes, Houston won by three, but it wasn't like – I mean, like, they might as well have just won by one. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. wasn't like – it wasn't – Well, it was, and I'm going to be honest, when you looked at that game, like, the thing that's probably most frustrating, I think, if you're a Memphis fan, is if you if you watch that game, you're like, our team's just as good as Houston's team. Yeah. But Houston is the one that didn't slip up at the beginning of the year. Houston's the one that's going to be at – three seed or whatever and then see a tournament like Memphis is just as good as Houston yeah and I think that's that says something about Houston one I don't think they're as good as their ranking suggests personally um but it also is a reminder that you know as much as we lament the circumstances uh of the past week or two that kind of boxed Memphis in with with how the AAC handled the scheduling with Lomax getting hurt, like all that stuff, like Memphis put itself in this position by starting the year six and five, yeah. um, by getting swept at Tulsa by, or by getting swept by Tulsa by not winning a meaningful non-conference game. So, because I, like I said, when you watch that game yesterday, Memphis is every bit as good as Houston. They're better, you know, they're better at different things than Houston is like Houston is this, just monster of a rebounding team, offensive rebounding team. And they, and they kind of have that um, gritty, they have a grittiness to them um, that's endearing. Um, But, and they have a, you know, they have a shot maker in Quentin Grimes, but like ultimately like Memphis is the Memphis was the more athletic team in that game. Um, I think Memphis was the team with, uh, you know, better talent. Um, they were just as good. They have just as good shooters. Um, like, I just think they were an even, they were two evenly matched teams. And um, the real shame is that, you know, they're not viewed that way by, they're not going to be viewed that way by the NCAA tournament selection committee, nor frankly, should they given, you know, Mem- you know, ultimately Memphis is an NCAA tournament team 
based on when you watch them play. But when you look at their resume, they, they aren't right now. They just aren't. Unfortunately, they didn't do enough. They didn't win enough games against good teams to kind of, to really, you know, make this, uh, to really give themselves the best chance possible to get in that large berth. But that's why I feel, but I still think they're like, a, they're a good team. Like yeah. they are like Kelvin Sampson last week was right. They are one of the best, like 40, what did he say? 40 teams 40. in the country. Yeah, yeah. they are. Um, unfortunately, their resume is not one of the top 40 resumes in the country. Right. You know, it's, 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 un, it's, un, it's just unfortunate. That's how the season played out. And, and, you know, you can blame, a, you know, there's a lot of different factors involved, but one of them is, you know, ultimately this team did not come out of the gates this season playing well. And, uh, and it's, co- it's costing them now. Well, here's, so going back to the original uh, question, uh, based on the way everything played out yesterday, and looking ahead to the AAC tournament, mm-hmm. Memphis is going to play either East Carolina or UCF on Friday, late Friday. Um, and then if Houston is able to get by either Tulane or Tulsa, whoever wins the Tulane-Tulsa game will get Houston mm-hmm. um, on Friday. Mm-hmm. I think we can all agree that that Houston is is probably going to get uh, past their first their quarterfinal game, and Memphis is going to get past theirs. I believe based on the way things played out yesterday and the way Memphis sounded, and granted we only talked to Lester and Penny, um, but the way they sounded after that and the and some of the conversations I've had over the past few hours, couple, couple like 12, uh, 16 hours, I feel like Memphis's um, psyche is still in a good place. Yeah. Um, they didn't and- sound devastated. Like it was like – it was a devastating way to lose the game and they didn't sound devastated. And I don't mean that to say like they didn't, they weren't like, they were like happy go lucky because they lost a the game. Like it sounded like they were, um, it was a motivating, like it was motivation the, yeah. the, the way they lost. They took it as, okay, we got to go, you know, like they, they, they weren't down on themselves. They were upset. They lost, but like they were motivated to make, to, to kind of avenge it this week that's yeah, the as, sense i got as i wrote uh, an hour or two after the game and posted uh, on the website it, it, like they're already and like right or wrong they're already looking forward to the next game against houston to yeah. facing houston again mm-hmm. and you know again who's to say whether that's the right way to go about it i mean penny says we're not overlooking anybody he, he starts by saying that but he goes on to say we know we're going to have to go through houston if we want to get to the um AAC championships. So again, my, my take on, on what this coming weekend uh, looks like for Memphis, I believe like I predict they will get to the two Sunday. Really? I I think, yeah, I think they, I think, I think if they get to Sunday, they're going to win it. I, I don't think, I don't see them losing in the AAC championship game. See, that's, I think that's where I'm a little bit, Iffier. I mean, I'm more iffy than you are on that one because I, I feel like, you know, playing Houston twice in a week is it, playing Houston once in a week is tough enough. Um, but then playing them twice in a week, I, I just yeah. I don't know. Like I, I, I don't I don't want to game though. Like the adrenaline, like yeah. when you're a winning in type of situation. Like yeah, 
you know, all bets are off. I, I, you know, at that point I would think, you know, honestly, like if they beat Houston in the semis, I would start to think they're kind of a team of destiny, if you will. Like, um, because and that could ulti- be. ultimately like, you know, and so, but they can do it. I mean, let's, let's, dis- let's dissect this Houston game a little bit. So since we last, uh, did the podcast, did we do one? We did one right after the USF game, correct? I think we did. Uh, um, maybe. Yeah, because we right. previewed this game, this Houston game. But if we if we dive into it a little bit here, I, I just – because because they're going to play him again more than likely. And yeah. um, they start the game off really well. Um, and – it was interesting. So they, they, they get in, they, they, they have early foul trouble. So some of the keys to the game to me that were interesting were obviously DeAndre Williams was the, the kind of the biggest focal point because when he was on the floor, they were better than Houston. Um, so, you know, and honestly, significantly better. I think he, what was he a plus 14 or something in that game? Here, I'll look it up. Hang on one second. Um, yeah, I got it. Yeah. He was uh plus 12. Yeah, plus twelve when he was in the game. He was everyone only... else on the team was either an, a minus or uh, Boogie Ellis was was zero was a yeah. break even plus minus. But if the problem was, of course, he was on the bench more than he was on the floor yesterday. He played nineteen minutes, which means he sat for twenty one minutes because of foul trouble. And um, so let's start here with DeAndre with the way Penny managed his fouls, I'm curious, I'll give you my answer first, but so basically in the first half, or I'll give you, I want to hear your answer first, then I'll give mine, but I want to lay it out. Or do you want me to give it first? No, 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 whatever. So just to lay it out. So he basically, uh, DeAndre picks up that second foul really early in the first half and, and Penny sits him the whole rest of the first half. And then in the second half, he picks up that fourth foul with about nine minutes to go in regulation and Penny sits him, I believe until right under the four minute mark. Like he the, sits for six and a half minutes, six and a half minutes. He goes from nine forty three to three seventeen. No Deandre. Yeah. Now, um, now to be fair, to be fair, there was a lot he brought, he was trying to bring him in with, he first looked like he was going to bring him in at like the six minute mark. And then he pulled him back. And then he was good. Like they were just, there was a long break between stoppages. Like I think Penny was hoping to get him in with a little under five minutes to go, but because the clock kept running, he couldn't, you know, there was no stoppage. Um, It took a while to get DeAndre back in, but did you have any issue with the way Penny managed that situation? Uh, The first half or the second half? Both just in general, how, how they, you know, ultimately DeAndre played, you know, cause there's, you know, there's like Penny is a real stickler to if you get two fouls, for the most part, he's going to sit you. And yeah. some people prescribe to that. Some people don't. Um, and then some people would say, you know, you're playing your biggest game of the year. Um, don't you don't sit him for six and a half minutes in that situation with four fouls, especially with how clearly important he was to the team's success in that game. So did you take any issue with any of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I just six and a half minutes is a long time, and it's and it's it's not necessary. I mean, you know, you can look at it a bunch of different ways and say it's crunch time or it's not crunch time. But um, there was a like Houston, uh, Houston went 
Houston outscored Memphis 12 to 5 mm-hmm. during the stretch where DeAndre was not on the court. Yeah, and they were up they were up 64-59 when he came back in the game. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Uh yeah, yeah, 12-5. So anyway, um I just that's just a long time, man, and 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 yeah. I just I'm, I'm going to be honest. I I certainly didn't have any issue with, issue with it in the first half, and here's why: like DeAndre is a foul prone guy. Like that's yeah. what he, he he like he does a lot of really good things, and he's obviously like a barometer for this team. Like it's very it became very clear. Like that game played out a lot like the whole season played out, where when DeAndre was on the court, they looked really hard. They looked really tough to beat, and like a really good team. And when he wasn't on the court. They looked a little lost and kind of mistake prone and whatever. Um, but saying all that, DeAndre Williams commits a lot of turnovers, partly because he's asked to do a lot, and also uh, commits a lot of fouls. And I actually didn't really have a problem. Like, I think it was just unlucky that there was a long break between stoppages when Penny was like, I think when Penny actually was trying to bring him in at like the four and a half minute mark felt about right. Yeah. It's just, there was a long wait between stoppages. And so he didn't come in. And now maybe you could argue Penny should have called a timeout to get him in the game. Now that's an argument I could, I could, I could hear. Um, But well, that's what he did. Yeah, no, eventually, but he should have called it earlier is what, you know, like maybe he could have called it earlier, but, I actually kind of understand where Penny's coming from because I didn't trust DeAndre to not commit fouls either. Like in the yeah. even in the second half, like his third foul was silly. It was just a silly foul, and his fourth foul, I know it was borderline, but like you know, it wasn't an egregious call. I, I don't think. Now you could, you know, now the first half, I thought the officials kind of ruined the first half with how many fouls they called. Um, and it, and it put Memphis in a bind. Um, but you know, I had no problem with how Penny handled that situation. Frankly, I had no, if I had no problem with how Penny handled any of crunch time, like the the final shot, like I wouldn't have, you know, I understood, uh, with 1.7 seconds left, why he decided not to foul there. I know like Seth Davis kind of was critical on Twitter after the game saying, you know, Memphis had a foul to give on that game-winning shot, and they should have taken it, implying they should have taken it. But with 1.7 seconds left, like, you never know. In a situation like that, like, you're you're risking a foul um, and, the, and the person taking a shot while you're fouling them and giving up three foul shots almost. And also, as Penny pointed out, let's say you foul there with, you know, what, what situation would you rather have? Houston having to go the full, you know, inbounds the ball from its opposite baseline to get a shot with 1.7 seconds left, or Houston having the ball inbounding at midcourt with like 1.1 seconds left. Like, I think it's much more, it's much less likely they hit a game winning shot in the situation Memphis decided to do than if they got the ball at midcourt. I think I, I had no problem with that either. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't have a problem with the way with the way that whole thing played out. If anything, honestly, if anything, the the coach whom I thought or the team that made the bad strategic error 
was on the possession where Boogie Ellis hit that game-winning shot. Why Houston, especially with how Memphis had shot free throws, why Houston didn't foul in that situation up three was that was to me was the was the was the bad strategic decision. And if Memphis had ended up winning that had gone to overtime and ended up winning that game, uh, I think it's something you could have been critical of Kelvin Sampson about. Yeah, I mean, but going back to the to the play to the Tremont Marks play, uh, the Tremont Marks play. If if there was an argument to be made um, for something that for for what Memphis could have done differently, I don't think that I don't think it's fouling intentionally mm-hmm. in that scenario, but at least at least playing tighter defense, and if a foul happens, it happens. Um, you know, like like really bodying up marks uh on the catch if you because you did have a foul to give uh or you did have fouls to give you know it looked because it looked like if you watch the replay lester and damian were the two closest two marks and they they were they were sort of double teaming him but were kind of they just kind of left left him an alley to step through essentially or to dribble through if you will yeah, no, I mean, it looked like Damian Baugh avoided contact, like, yeah, the I mean, like, he was trying to avoid contact intentionally. And, well, to be and, fair, that I, yeah, that's, and that's what they've been told to do. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Like, but, they've been told like, not to foul. I don't know if they were, like, Penny said he didn't like, like, ultimately, like, they let him turn to his dominant hand, the left hand, and that was yeah. a problem, too. But at the same time, you watch the shot, like, that guy makes that shot one time out of a hundred times. Like it's just like we can, we can, you know, nitpick everything. Like he hit a lucky shot and it's unfortunate. Sometimes happens. Like that's ultimately what he did. He hit a lucky shot. Um, That shot goes in one out of a hundred times. Maybe. I know that's not a traditional three pointer, but that guy's got 15 three pointers on the season on the Mm -hmm. whole season. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's before that shot, he's 15 of 57. So like, like a really bad three point shooter, and that's who they wanted to have the ball in that situation. And if you're Memphis, if it goes in, you have to live with it. Like you got that, you know, you you got probably their worst three point shooting guy with the ball in his hands and the game on the line, and it just happened to go in. The odds of that happening are so low that you have to live with it. If that's if that's uh, how it all plays out. Well, and obviously it conjured up memories of some of the just. You know, the, the, I mean, frankly, the 2008 national championship game, the Mario Chalmers shot, um, the, the heartbreak uh, in, oh, I guess it was 05 when Darius Washington misses those two free throws with the chance to win the conference tight tournament title and go to the, you know, go to the NCAA tournament. Um, and, you know, it was the first time I'd been a part of the sort of Memphis heartbreak. And it was like, I don't know what your reaction was. Like we were here in Memphis. We didn't go to Houston. Um, but I, I just, I mean, it was like, even for me, like I'm, you know, I, I don't like, ultimately I wanted, I wanted the Tigers to win because it would be a better story if they won. Um, that's what I, you know, that's what reporters and writers root for is like, what's the, that what's going to be the, that what's going to be the best storyline and the best narrative. And frankly, in this situation, having a mark, Arch Darling is a much better story than uh, writing about uh, heartbreak. Um, but that was just a, you know, especially coming right after the boogie shot 
where, you know, that plat hole play was in and of itself was a, was kind of lucky where you've got Lester just badly missing a three, but the rebound comes to Dandridge and he finds Boogie and Boogie who hadn't hit the broad side of a barn the entire game. It's this just sweet looking three. Yeah. Um, but just to, just to then go right back and have that ending like, God, it was like a gut punch. Like, even I mean, I remember I was just kind of stunned. And I'm sure, you know, Tiger fans were as well. Um, but I just remember I, I just when it happened, I go, oh, my God. Like, it was just like stunning that that's how this ended. Um, I was not expecting that. The first thing I said, uh, and I'm sitting here watching it alone at the house. First thing I said is he got it off. I mean, like he actually he actually got it off. I think were, were the words that I said because he did. It was like it was. You're looking at it and you're thinking, you know, maybe he didn't get it off, but like he a hundred percent did. And we can talk about the clock situation if we want to. But yeah, yeah. That's, well, I was gonna say like there's the, we can blame it on the you know there was you know the clock at least on TV appeared to start late. Um, I don't know if it would have made a difference. I don't. But think I don't think you, like if you're a Tigers fan, you shouldn't be like thinking about it in those terms. And yes, the refing in the first half was was kind of uh, was was just overbearing. I would say um, yeah. the officiating. Yeah, but ultimately, I mean, there were some very clear. Like if Memphis just hits seventy five percent of its free throws, they win the game. Um, I mean, and free throws have been an issue all year. Like what was amazing is. They only committed 12 turnovers. Like it was one of their best games of the year in terms of uh, taking care of the basketball. But when DeAndre wasn't in the game, they were, they got killed on the glass, you know, like Houston did its thing. Like they rebounded a, a large percentage of their misses. And that was their best offense all game was just hitting, pounding the glass. And then, um, and, and then, You've got, and then the other part was the, I mean, just the free throws were just, I mean, it was egregious. I mean, you can't, you can't beat good teams when you don't do little things like that. Like those are the types of things that that's how you win games on the road against a top 10 team. It's, it's, it's taking care of the basketball. It's neutralizing the team on the glass and uh, hitting free throws. All of those are just as important as, you know, hitting three pointers or playing good defense. Like you, you need to do all of those things as well. Like they are just as important to the game. And that's, you know, I mean, the free throws is just like mind boggling at times. Like Williams is a perfect example. How does, how does it, how is it that when he gets to Memphis, like he was an 80% free throw at Evansville last year. And right now he's shooting this season for Memphis, he's shooting 66%. Like, there's only, you know, there's only two guys on the entire team right now shooting better than 70% from, from, from the free throw line. And that's just, it's just not really acceptable. Um, and it's not, you're not going to win big games with that. And it's been a problem at Memphis for a while. I get it. But like, it's something that feels like it needs to be prioritized more because it, like 
free throw shooting, most of it is just mental. Most of it's just repetition. And like, I get it. It's hard, but like, you know, like I, as someone who's played basketball competitively, like it is harder to hit a free throw in the heat of a game than like we want to give that, give it credit for. But at the same time, these are division one basketball players. And like, that's just part, you know, you gotta be able to hit free throws. Other teams hit free throws. Houston hit free throws. That's what good teams do. And so, um, and it's something that feels like, I know it's been a season long trend, but I don't know. It just feels like something that could be corrected. Right. You would think, I mean, but, but this deep in the season, my yeah, goodness. No, and they are what they are, I guess. Yeah. Um, in, in I mean, I think the, the exception, the exception is going to be, uh, the game at Cincinnati where they hit seven of eight in the last yeah. 20 seconds or whatever it is. Um, that's unfortunately going to be the exception. Those are the ones that you have to be like, thank God that happened because uh, the rule it appears this season, at least is going to be 10 of 20 and, and shooting, you know, shooting uh, bad percentages. I mean, shoot, if they, you know, there's so many, there were so many little things in that game. That was ultimately what it was. Like it felt like Houston and Memphis are very comparable teams. The difference is Houston does the little things better than Memphis. See, that's how I'm looking at it. Like there was a hundred what ifs where if one of them goes a different for Memphis, there's a hundred what ifs where if one of them goes the other way, um, maybe the outcome is different. We can talk about the DeAndre Williams uh, dunk or non-dunk, I should say. Um, yeah, missed dunk. Musa yeah, missed the dunk too late. Yes. Um, so uh, there's a lot of things we can talk about, but if if I'm looking at it and then sort of forecasting toward the next the potentially the next time they face off mm -hmm. Houston when they go back and look at this film there's not necessarily a ton to clean up on their part like like they played a pretty good game by their by their standards i mean like they they're, they're going to look at what memphis did defensively and sort of be able to game plan like they'll make adjustments to the to mm -hmm. to to the things they saw from Memphis defensively and offensively, but like they didn't make a ton of mistakes. You know what I mean? That where, where it's like, where it's that's like, how, that's Houston, you know, right. like we said it, you're going to have to go beat that. Right. And so what I'm saying though, is Memphis did Memphis made quite a few mistakes where mm -hmm. they can go back and look at the tape and say, you know, if we clean this up, if we clean that up. Um, if we, uh, you know, sort of, tinker with our with with certain defenses and certain things scheme wise then then we can you know you get what i'm saying like it's it's like yeah, memphis, no. memphis has more that they can change where they have houston memphis has not. more ways they can win this game than houston does yeah like they they've got more options they've got more talent i mean you watch that right. game memphis has more talent than houston um but houston plays the game cleaner right houston you know, and and they do again, like they hit their free throws. They, you know, they're they're not as offensively gifted as Memphis, but they had eleven more shots than Memphis because they killed Memphis on the glass. They out toughed them on the glass. Um, but that and that's why I feel uh I guess encouraged going into this week because yesterday was a reminder that. Memphis, when it puts it all together, has the highest ceiling in the league. I, I say that I, I, it really does. The problem is they just, you know, it, we haven't seen them put it all together completely 
very much this year. Like they've played better over the last 10 games. And, and it's a credit, to, you know, it's a credit to Penny or 11 games now. Um, it's a credit to Penny. But ultimately, you know, maybe the second half against Wichita State in that 20 point win. Like, but other than that, I don't really remember that many moments, you know, maybe the first half against St. Mary's to start the year, but I don't remember many moments where I go, this team is clicking on all cylinders. Right. Um, And again, it speaks to how good they are that we can say that. And yet here they are, you know, still, according to Joe Lenardi, one of the next four out. If, you know, now I, it it seems like most of the bracketologists have said, you got to win the AAC tournament to make the NCAA tournament. I would say if you beat Houston in the semis, I'm guessing you assure you're, you you have a pretty good shot at being at least one of the quote-unquote four replacement teams to go to the NCAA tournament. And just for your not, you know, if you're not aware, um, the way they're doing it with the NCAA tournament with the COVID protocols is they're you know in addition to having those play-in games, they're also going to ha- name on Selection Sunday four replacement teams. Uh, essentially the first four out, if you will, um, because if a team doesn't pay, if a team has to be eliminated from the field due to COVID testing over the first 48 hours after selection Sunday, so next through next Tuesday night, if a team has to be eliminated, the NCAA will bring in one of those replacement teams to replace them. So Memphis still has a shot at that. I think even if they don't win the AAC tournament now, it will be interesting if they beat Houston on a neutral floor and lose in the AAC tournament finals, would they get in that scenario? It seems like no, it, at least that's the, that's what the, the quote unquote experts are saying. But I do think you'd be sitting there wondering on selection Sunday, if that scenario played out. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a slim chance, especially because so many other things would have to, fall your way but hmm. um i don't think you can just say today if memphis doesn't win the aac tournament they're not getting in i, I don't think you can say that i, I think if you beat Houston, i think you can say they're likely not getting in but yeah yeah, not yeah, a, yeah sure. it's not a it's not a done deal but no no the ultimately, odds- you gotta ultimately like you cannot you can basically the, the the message is you cannot count on anything but winning the conference tournament though. Right, right, right. You don't want to, you don't want to leave it in anybody else's hands. So um, do, do you have a preference ECU or UCF in the quarterfinals? I would say, uh, no, I mean, I would say, so I would say if you, I don't know if you've noticed UCF has won four in a row and five of its last six. Now it hasn't beaten anyone good. It beat Tulane twice, beat South Florida, beat Tulsa, uh, and beat ECU, um, but they're playing better than they were when they came to Memphis and lost those two games. Whereas ECU has lost um, nine of the last, last ten, and it just came off a COVID pause. Um, their only win, their only win, incidentally, in their last ten games was against Houston. That's <laughs> wild. Yeah, um, that's just wild. So yeah, I think I'd rather get ECU, but I think you're like you're probably going to get UCF because they're playing better right now. Yeah, um, I would think so. I mean, yeah, you know, who knows if Jaden Gardner if Jaden Gardner has a career yeah. night, who knows? But um, yeah, I think you'd rather see East Carolina. Uh, I mean, just based on 
like you pointed out the way the way they're playing right now. But ultimately, if Memphis, you know, like if Memphis, you know, and I, I know like if Memphis can't win that quarterfinal game, what are we even talking about here? You know, like yeah. ultimately, yeah. you're in a situation you can't come out and like. Like I know you mentioned, like they're already expecting to play Houston. Like I don't actually mind that. Like I think they're talking about it. Like I don't think they're necessarily overlooked. I I took it more as just confidence in the way they're playing. Like it's sort of how they looked at those last few games of the year. Like they, we were talking about Houston, but like they knew to get to Houston, they had to take care of business against Cincinnati and USF and right. Tulane. And I sense the same thing here. It's not that they're overlooking UCF uh, or ECU. It's that, you know, they realize like, listen, we got to take care of these teams to get to where we want to go. Um, yeah. And so I fully expect them to come out and, and win Friday night and then set up for another showdown Saturday. I believe it'll be a 430 game if they get there in the AAC semifinals. Um, I can't wait. I, I think it'll be a lot of fun because um, I think yeah. they can beat them. I, th- I think what I think what Sunday told you is they can beat them. They're yeah. just as good as Houston. Like I know Houston's ranking and Houston's record says that's not true but i'm just telling you when you watch them they're they're just as good as houston and uh they do a couple things differently they can win on you know they can win on a neutral court for sure yeah i mean that's what i was gonna say i mean they were they were they were just as good as houston yesterday um in houston so you know who let's see let's see what happens on a neutral court um uh you and i will be there yeah Going to Fort Worth. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like Fort, we were in Fort Worth a year ago when, when the world shut down. Yeah, you um, and I. The NCAA tournament got – AAC tournament got canceled. NCAA tournament got canceled. So it'll be a uh, – it'll be a full circle moment um, yeah. uh, for us down in Fort Worth. Um, but, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. And, well, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully the Tigers uh, have a magical run in them because those are – those like I said – us reporters are always looking for the best story and the best story would be for Memphis to win three games and win the AAC tournament and go to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2014. Um, Go story. (laughs) Go story. Um, Well, in the meantime, leading up to the game, we'll have tons of coverage over at commercialappeal.com. You can go there now, read, read about the aftermath of this Houston game. Um, and we'll, we will keep you updated. We'll have injury updates on Alex Lomax. Hopefully he's available uh, for the tournament and as well as uh, just what the, what the mood of the team is going into this important tournament. But uh, uh, till next week, we'll join you next week, Monday, whether Memphis is in the tournament or not uh, to break it all down. But till then I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Thank you so much. And uh, go story. Go story. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.